Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen and I've got a pile of questions from um, Emily. Excellent. I have a full cup of coffee. <laughs> You're going to need it. <laughs> Let's do this. She's got seven. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is an existing client who has emailed questions, which is really neat be and, and appreciative because um, as we're doing Q&As with the show, more and more people are now starting to send in more and more questions. So it was a little slow at the beginning, but now it's really fun. And, and people are coming up and asking those questions verbally too. So anyway, she put hers in an email and here we go, Kelly. Okay. And, and you know what I like too is that we read the whole email no matter what they put in it. Mm -hmm. So it says, hi, Karen and Kelly. Here are some questions I have for you in your show. Looking forward to hearing your answers. What does clairaudience sound like? I'm clairaudient and clairsentient, and I have a hard time distinguishing between the two. That's number one. That was overwhelming. Okay, what does clairaudience sound like was the first part of that question. Well, it, it is the only question. She just added her, her well, comment. She also asked what clairsentient sounded like. Mm, indirectly, so, yes. Okay, so clairaudient, I think we've, we've talked about and complained about this before. Um, in the sense that when we hear messages, they often sound like they're in our own voice, mm -hmm. right? And so we've complained that, you know, if it was in a different voice, we might trust it more because we could differentiate between what is our thought and what is a channeled message. And that's when I said, I wish it was like Morgan Freeman. Not like, just definitely Morgan Freeman. Yes. Um, it's because then it's, then it's very distinguishable between that booming male voice mm -hmm. and my own, which, you know, might, some people might listen to that and say, well, that goes back to your training about listening to men and not women and listening to your own inner voice. So you go ahead. Just, yeah, I don't think I wanted to psych that. I just wanted to, <laughs> I just liked that voice. He could yeah, me too. sing the phone book to me. Yes. Um, however, getting back to the question, it, it sounds like your own voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, there are different intonations that happen when the message comes through, and that's typically in the mannerism of the person you're channeling. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's a lot of concentration that happens when we listen to messages, which is actually uh, why we keep most of our walls in our treatment rooms bare. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I like to stare at bare walls uh, because there's no there's no image, there's no kind of um, stimulation that's happening. It just allows mm -hmm. for kind of that blank slate so that we can hear, see, and, and you know, listen to all of the other senses, senses as well. I'm struggling with words today. Um, but, but how it sounds in our own head, it, it varies. Because sometimes we do hear a loud, booming sound, right? Mm -hmm. um, where you, we know it's a male voice and then we have to work hard to distinguish what it sounds like. So it, it's different all the time depending on who we're channeling. It can also very much be that we hear the client's voice. So a couple of nights ago, I heard when I went to bed, um, I was just facing the wall, face down, snuggled into the corner, and I heard a very calm, soft, thank you. Mm -hmm. Female, it was lovely, and I was just falling asleep, and it woke me up. It was mm -hmm. so loud. And the next day, when I had one client that day, it was on the weekend, and when my client came, that was her voice. Mm -hmm. And it didn't register to me because, you know, you're just working, you're in your session, you're doing it. And all of a sudden, 
she, you know, when she first came in, she was bubbly, da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden she got some messages and she went, oh, Karen, thank you. And I went, oh, that's the voice. Mm -hmm. You're the voice I heard last night. So it can be a client's voice. It can be an in their own tone of voice. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it can be the way they said it. It can be an accent, even if like if they're a di from a different nationality. Mm -hmm. um, or it can actually be in your own voice. Like you, uh, we get our messages in our own voice. Yep. And for me, that part is the part where I'm most joyful. In that I'm hearing the spirit world through me. Mm-hmm instead of having to believe it because it's someone else's voice. So there's different joys in being able to hear the spirit world from different perspectives. So someone who's passed over, there's a client's, and including my own. Hmm. Can I go to the second part? Yeah. The clairsentient mm -hmm. is that inner knowing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people might confuse it with um, like tactile feel. Um, but the inner knowing part is feeling. It's an emotion. It's, it's um, well, I don't know how else to put that. So That's good. I like this. What happens is if you're differentiating between audience, clear audience and clairsentience, I can hear the word no to a question, but then I also have a feeling that is congruent with that no or incongruent. And so I know that there's discrepancy with what's being answered and that, that kind of goes down a different rabbit hole of figuring out why. So you have an inner knowing of something being on track. You have an inner knowing of what direction you're heading in. But the point is, is that it's a feeling. And you have to be able to be and know enough about who you are to have the confidence and to have the self-esteem and the self-love to trust the inner knowing. Yeah, and also the a massive amount of awareness to be able to pinpoint the moment an emotion or a feeling changes, even just ever so slightly. Uh, because if you don't, you miss out on a wide range of things. And I've said this to a lot of people uh, who don't have an emotional intelligence. There's pretty much three emotions that they can identify, and that's sadness, anger, and happiness. And sometimes it's only two, anger and happy. Because mm -hmm. they've completely, you know, void themselves of being able to feel sadness. It's mm -hmm. just all anger. Um, so the emotional intelligence then is involved in understanding each one of those emotions and knowing when they shift. I loved when I first started learning to do the energy healing and the channeling. When a client would either be sitting with me or laying down or sitting in a different country in their own home or their own car. And I would be able to feel the shift in their mood and ask them, did you just shift? Mm -hmm. Did you just go from being really sad about something to you felt a little lighter? And they'd say, yeah, mm -hmm. how did you know I got that? And I'd go, because I felt it. Yeah. I felt when you shifted. And there is maybe a perfect example of where you don't have to hear, I'm now happy or I'm, I have shifted. You have the, the shift within your own body. Oh, I didn't want to interrupt you. you no, you I look just like wanted you're, to make a point. Oh, I love it. You, okay. I'm also very caffeinated. Okay, because you're holding your fingers in the air at me. <laughs> I don't know what this means. <laughs> I mean, either. What's so the I was, second question? I was waiting because it was like, did, I didn't want to interrupt your beautiful no. flow. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to add to that, Kelly, how much that plays in when a parent can say and know 
that a child is just off and they know their child is off mm-hmm. and they can say to the to their child what's wrong or and the child I'm fine I'm fine and you know they're not and the parent trusts their knowing that they're not partner but I was just sibling gonna, friend sorry no it's okay I, I was just going to continue to say that it also goes then into the marriage where you can as you you were joining in to say that you can know that something's wrong with your partner mm-hmm. a spouse and you have to trust yourself with that and how difficult it is when you ask that person if they're okay and then you know they're not and they deny it mm-hmm. so that then you go into your crazy making of questioning that clairsentience can i, I can i just kind of go with an example for a moment Yesterday, I was driving down to the movies with Eric, and um, we had been just chatting about the day. Things got quiet. I turned my head, and he went, what's wrong? And I got really annoyed, because so many people ask what's wrong all the time, if you're not constantly talking, and I find that I find that just awful. Um, but I had to have enough awareness that my energy had had, or sorry, had shifted. Not that it was bad, not that it was wrong, but that it had just shifted. And Instead of saying, the, you know, this example that you're talking about, I'm fine, and making him second guess if he really knows me or is really that in tune with me, I had to pause for a moment, get over my frustration and turn and say, the shift had nothing to do with you, not in a mean way. Um, my headspace just shifted and I went into a place of feeling really relieved that I don't have to go to work tomorrow and I kind of just relaxed thinking I've got the evening to myself. And I think a lot of people will brush off and say, I'm fine if your shift in energy or your mood or your emotions isn't necessarily relevant to the other person, isn't going to, you know, Mm. affect how they make a decision or how you move forward in the next moment. Mm -hmm. But I chose in that moment to explain the actual shift so that he could have that affirmation that he was right, Mm -hmm. that it did move, even if it wasn't relevant to him. Just mm-hmm. so he knows what kind of space I'm in, because that does change the way that we act and react to each other. That's right, because then you're not starting a cycle with him of the crazy making mm-hmm. that destroys a relationship. So good for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, question two. How do you stop being scared? My gifts are opening up, and although I've been a lot better, sometimes it freaks me out to have outside information that I can't explain to everyone. I have a few supportive people, but sometimes my gifts give me anxiety. So question is, how do you stop being scared? Well, I have no answer. (laughs) No. Uh, I'm so sorry, Emily. you figure that out, you give us a call. Yeah, if everyone and anyone listening has, like, there, I, I think some days... I feel so, so confident and so on. And, and it's great. I, I think I could have an answer and say when you're confident, when you're this, when you're that. And then there are other days where I hear that uh, someone has murdered people in France. And I think there's no answer. Because even though it could be across an ocean, I still feel scared. Even though it has nothing to do with my gifts, I still know that people on this planet are crazy. You went really big scale with that one, and I yep. think that's really cool because I, I kind of went just to the moment to moment, so maybe sure. we can touch on all of them. Um, I I don't stop being scared, and I don't have days of confidence. I have moments of, of confidence mm. if uh, you know if I'm lucky, because every time a message comes out, even if it feels great and you get the affirmation mm-hmm. right in that moment. 
the very next moment that you're getting another message, you're hoping to God, this is correct. Oh, yes. And so, and I think that has to do with a a proper intention of not wanting to hurt anyone, of wanting to respect all parties involved, um, and that including ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think the fear ever goes away. You you want to be accurate. You're hoping that person is receiving it well. Because you can be confident in the message yourself and be terrified that the person's going to shit down your neck or and lie to you and tell you you're wrong. Or agree with you in the moment, leave or hang up the phone or disconnect from Skype or FaceTime yep. and turn around. And it just happened to me two days ago where the person in the session here, right in the house, told me how much she loved it and how accurate it was and then turned right around and told all her girlfriends that it was horrible and that I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then the girlfriends called her out on it because she forgot she voice recorded the session. So yeah. they listened to it and said, no, she wasn't. And the girlfriends actually sent me an email and said, this is what our girlfriend did to you. We want you to know we called her out on it. And cool. we are the ones that said, she's the one that's doing all of the lying. And so us girls, girlfriends are all in a fight right now because of what she did to you. But we just wanted to say that this is her pattern and we're using this as an opportunity to confront it. Hmm. And eh, so so in answer to, do you ever stop being scared? No. No, but that doesn't stop me. Mm -hmm. So, and and I, I just said this on a walk last night with a girlfriend. I said, I am constantly scared not just about the gifts, but sometimes just about, am I going to have enough money to pay bills? Mm -hmm. Am I going to have enough to pay marketing? Am I going to be okay when I retire, if I ever get to retire? But it doesn't mean that I stop living or I stop trying or I stop everything. Mm -hmm. I don't stop breathing and holding. I continue with the fear. I recognize the fear I know exactly what it's doing to me. I have to become emotionally intelligent enough to understand what it can do to block me. But I have to then take all of the steps and increase my emotional intelligence tools to say this fear isn't going to go away, but I'm going to live with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to stop anything. I think maybe just take an extra nap in a day. (laughs) Or my tip. Okay, an extra nap. I'm going to also say, for me, an extra walk or an extra bike ride or... Extra use of your vibrator. <laughs> yes. It's good stress releases. Yes. Anything. Okay. Question three. Question three. What... I think I nailed that. Oh, yeah. What are soulmates? Can you please explain them and your experiences with them? Wow, that is big. Oh, holy um, crumb. We might not get through seven questions. No, no. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So what... Uh, We've done this before in some other podcasts. So, um, yeah, but sometimes it's great to just be able to word it in a different way. It's going to come out slightly different each time, right? Okay. So, Kel, we're going to go back and forth with this one too Mm -hmm. um, um, about what soulmates are because you and I have talked about this and we actually teach this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So, I'm asking questions and then I'm going to hand this to you and you can ask the next little bunch first. But you start with what is a soulmate? Okay, that goes directly back to what soul contracts are. So a a contract is between two people in this situation um, because you can have your own contract with what you're meant to do and learn in this life. But a soul contract between you and another person can really kind of show, uh, well, it does show exactly what you're meant to learn from one another and teach one another. And there, I'll say, are 
really significant contracts and kind of the minor ones, right? Mm-hmm. So the soulmate being your, your big one, uh, the big love, I think that people tend to call it. So, and a lot of the big questions tend to be um, whether or not it's a person of the opposite sex or a partner, I should say, pardon me. Um, so your significant other. And that's where we have learned from the spirit world that it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. It can be. Um, but it's a soul who you have come in and out of lives with multiple times mm-hmm. where you have agreed to do those multiple lives together because of the patterns that you that you set together, that you need to break together, um, and, and how to learn to love one another, right? So those can be best friends. Those can be siblings. They can even be coworkers. Um, any really combination. It can be a pet. Any combination of a soul. Can also be somebody that maybe you fall in love with or is significant enough in your life and it doesn't. As in it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. You could feel really drawn to somebody that you're supposed to be with them and and whether they say no or you say no or something else occurs. Timing. uh, All kinds of things. So some soulmates don't end up in the happily ever after category Mm -hmm. of what Hollywood created. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess that's the kind of physical image of what a soulmate could look like, right? The different relationship dynamics. Um, The soulmate, in terms of the contract, is about what you're learning and teaching each other. Perfect. Um, And that can be a very difficult contract because I think a lot of people, like you're saying about Hollywood, it looks very um, full of love and understanding and just... So, so much drama, I'll say. Um, but be- between two souls, it can be something very tumultuous too, um, where there's hard lessons, there's there's sickness. There can be a lot of different things that, that try your love, try your connection, try your communication. Well, you could have a soul contract with a narcissist and be a people pleaser. Yep. And the soul contract, which we think is, a, there's still a soul mate, but like I say, in the Hollywood version, it would be perfect love. Mm-hmm. People have the idea that you'd never hurt each other. It's just easy. And it's not. You can A soul contract with a soulmate can be that I'm people pleasing and he's a narcissist. And the soul contract between the two of us is I'm supposed to get this. I'm supposed to stop the people pleasing. He's supposed to stop the narcissism. It may not necessarily be that we both get it. One of us might get it and break the the, the um, pattern, but that was the soul contract with a soul mate. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give that as an example because we have some people have such an idea in their head that about it being perfect, mm-hmm. and that it isn't always about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that good? Yeah. Do you want to add more? No, it's just making me think about a conversation that happened yesterday, but it's it's all good. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I, I like how you said in this too, Kelly, and maybe just to add a little bit to it, that it can be between, as you said, different roles where a soulmate could be a co-worker. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, it can be a neighbor. There's so many different ways, like you even said, like can be a pet, can be a sibling or mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And that some, I remember um, somebody saying one day, my husband told me that his soulmate is his sister. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucked up? And I said, no. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And it can be such a great relationship between a brother and sister that it both also encourages them to love their partners. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they don't love the partners that they've mm-hmm. picked. It, it just means that, that 
that connection is from lifetime to lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think and I think some people will sit here and, and be even more confused and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, because you're you're still figuring out contracts versus mates, right? Right. Um, and I think I think you said it and it might have just been kind of skimmed over. Mm. It's a much stronger pull. It's oh, a much yeah. stronger um, energy that draws you in to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that they can be the voice in the back of your head even if it's not the voice of reason, mm-hmm. um, there's just, there's a, there's a much stronger energy. I think that's the best way I can put it. Well, and some people refer to it and they'll book an appointment and say, I need to have my, these ties c- cut off to somebody. And I'll say, well, hold up. Let's ask the spirit world what's going on first. Yeah. Oh, I need a clearing. Oh, oh, I, I, I have, I have ties. There's this new vocabulary out there that somebody's attached my their energy to me, and I can't. This person just won't let me go. And I know we talked about that in another podcast. And it's like, well, hold up. What if this is a soulmate? What if this is a soul contract? Mm -hmm. And it's going from lifetime to lifetime. It doesn't mean you're supposed to stay married in this one, or that you have to continue to talk to your mother, or that you that you can quit this job. You don't have to stay here. You might have a soulmate there, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that things can't come to an end. Mm -hmm. And that's the little piece in this that I find beautiful about the spirit world is that Hollywood presents a soulmate as somebody you can't ever let go of and that you have to stay together and work it out, work it out, work it out. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the, one of the most one of the beautiful lessons I've learned from speaking and channeling to people who've crossed over. Cool. Yeah. Okay. You're going to ask the next one. Yes, I am. A little burp. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Number four, what are some common ways of helping to open your gifts? Oh, um, okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start with that one. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I, what you and I both have done and I do quite often in sessions and I'm going to start with this one is, um, well, self-care where I guess you're going to have to talk about self-care at some point in this and value, self-value, what you, what you choose to value in your life. Um, having enough integrity to call people out <laughs> when you're trying to open your gifts and they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really would like to get to that I like sharing with people is a chart that I use of the six senses. And I, if you're drawing the chart, I take a piece of paper and on the left side, I write down the date that you receive something. So let's say this is all about receiving. So you're going to, you have some event or something that occurs. So whether it's a premonition or a dream If it's your dream, you write down the date of the dream, uh, whatever it is. And then you write down all the senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling, inner knowing, empathy. So seven, I'm going to, I'm going to write, say the seven. And then you sit down and you have to go through and tick off which of all of those seven, and it could be four out of seven. One of them could be one, could be two. You could have smelt coffee. Uh, from somebody who's coming through, say it's you, you thought you felt your mom sitting on the end of your bed. So you write down feeling, or maybe you didn't feel it. Maybe you didn't feel anything pushing on the bed. Maybe it was just an inner knowing. So you tick things off. And I encourage people to go through maybe a period of a week or a month using the chart to see which of their senses are strongest. Mm-hmm. 
Then I caution them because say you only smell cigarette smoke once in a year, but it's so strong that you know that when you sell, smell cigarette smoke, that's always going to be your grandma. You might only use it once, but it's the one that's 100% certainty. Cool. So you might give your sense of smell as your strongest one, but that it's rarely used. But when it comes through, it's a kicker. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones you just don't doubt. So you don't just put the relevance to the one that you use the most frequently. You have to really watch what works for you and how it does. So I won't go into that more than that because there's there are more mm-hmm. questions and I want to be able to also throw it to you. But that's one of the tools in the toolkit that people can use when they're interested in opening and discovering their gifts. Okay, um, one that you and I use very frequently is the yes and no game. Yeah, uh, And I quite enjoy that one uh, for different reasons. So when we first started um, opening these gifts, we were, again, at a, at a great distance, being in Ottawa and North Bay. And you would ask me certain questions in your head. Mm-hmm. And you would say, okay, I have it. And then I would have to say yes or no. Yes, and now I'm just clarifying for people again. I know you already said it, but I didn't say it verbally. Right. You had it in your head. Right. You thought it, and then you said, okay, I have my question formed. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to give you the yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, it was questions you knew the answer to. Mm-hmm. So that you could give me the feedback afterwards. So, for example, you might say in your head, um, I have, is it true that I have nine brothers and sisters? And I would hear the yes. And then you would say, okay, I asked the question if I had nine brothers and sisters. Go ahead. I have eight. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. That no. there are nine siblings in my family. Um, I know where you're going with this. We're alluding to the fact that there probably was another baby that we weren't talked about. Well, this blew up. <laughs> um, anyway, you get the gist where you would, you would ask a question that you knew the answer to. You would give me the yes or no, I would give you the yes or no, and you would give me the affirmation. Then we would start shifting as as time went on, and you would ask me yes or no questions. I would give you the answer, and once the affirmation came through, let's say a week or two weeks later, you would come back to me and say, I asked this question. I wanted to know what was going to happen. It just came true. I wanted to give you the affirmation. You were correct. So yeses and noes help build confidence. However... And I've said this to a lot of clients who have asked for for tools as well. You have to pick a partner who is 100% willing to be honest with you, no matter how embarrassing it is for themselves, no matter, you know, if they want to share these pieces of information with you or not, because information comes through that you don't expect. You can't, you don't get to choose from the other side what, what comes through. So if you're saying, if you're turning to someone and saying, um, I'm getting that you had an abortion, that person has to be willing to say, yes, that's correct. So you have to be careful who you choose as a partner. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. I, yep. That I think that answers the question in a couple of ways to give people some tools because there are loads of tools for this. Those are two, I'll say beginner tools. And, and Kelly, in answering this for people that are listening today too, Another tool I would say is that you connect with somebody like you and I that helps them with it. Mm -hmm. 
We'll welcome you to our sandbox. Yes, because we're honest enough to be that person for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, crap. How can one develop dream walking specifically? I have no idea what I'm doing. That's what I say in <laughs> yeah. every session. Like, I say to people at the end, look, if you would like more energy healing, I'm happy to do that. When you conti- <laughs> like when you leave, I will continue offering that energy healing, um, especially when you go to bed at night because we're not in a place of resisting, you know, any anymore. Um, and I just ask that person that they can set their intention that I'm welcomed in their dream. And then when I go to bed, I say I'm setting my intention to walk into whoever's dream has asked for it, given me permission, who wants help. Um, It's just a setting of intention. So I have no idea how to answer that question. What was the question again? How can you develop dream walking specifically? Okay. Um, I agree with you about not knowing what the hell I'm doing and how you said about um, trying to set your, like setting your intention to do it. Can I ask a question? Yes. To you. I <laughs> see. This is where I would refer them back to the tool that you just talked about in the chart. Yeah. Where you're developing a habit of remembering. Okay. Not the tool of actually dream walking itself. Cause that's going to happen naturally. You're actually going to become an observer of it. If you're using the tool you just mentioned. Okay. Am I, am I on point here? Yes. I was just going to keep adding to it that, when you wake up in the middle of the night to have a notebook in the bed mm-hmm. or on the night table and a pen and that you jot things down, that when you first get up in the morning, that, and this is, these are just things that I did. Um, I wouldn't get up and get out of bed. I would lay in the bed, keep my eyes closed, and mm-hmm. I would practice levels of consciousness so that I could feel myself coming out of sleep. I could talk to myself in the dream state saying, I'm going to wake up. I could hear my breathing from the dream state. So I'm still sleeping and I can hear myself breathing. I feel my body um, while I'm still sleeping. Mm -hmm. But this question goes into all the different levels of consciousness. And that takes work. That takes dedication and time. Now, having said that, some people might go, no, it didn't. I dream walk and I didn't do any of that shit. Mm-hmm. So it's also individual yeah. because I was dreamwalking as a child, didn't know what I was doing. But as an adult, the adult part of me wanted to know, wanted to control, wanted mm-hmm. to understand. And because as an adult, we get in there and we take all the fun out of this. And I'll say it in that way sometimes because, because? Well, we don't let things unfold. Yeah. Like you say, we want control. Well, but partly because science says we can't, or they people, other humans say we're liars or we're frauds or we're this or that. So you're looking for some vocabulary and you're looking for something connective. Now, having said that, there's a whole other group of people out there that believe in all of this and they're easy with it. They don't need the structures of science. So to dreamwalk is just light, easy, and cool. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to hear those specific things like do this, do this, do that. They just do because their soul is free enough to do. Cool. Um, number six, how does the energy of what we eat or surround ourselves with affect our bodies? I've often heard that vegetarians feel better when they don't eat meat. And I wonder if there's a connection with our super industrial farming in Canada. Mm. Okay. I agree. Um, 
It is important what you eat. I have found that in my life. Um, but I don't want to answer that f- um, in terms of what I think other people should do. Mm-hmm. I, do- I don't want to put, on my, uh, put my experience onto another person. Mm-hmm. Another shaman or energy healer could say, I eat shit and I, it doesn't affect me dream walking and being a shaman. So I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to do that. All I can do is answer it for me. I know when I am active. I know when I am exercising. I know when I am balanced in different things in my life. Um, but having said that, even when shit was going down in my world and I was not balanced, it was still all there. Mm-hmm. So, well, and her question is, how does it affect our bodies? Mm-hmm. This is not, I mean, technically this is not a question for just you and I. Right. As mediums. Um, this is just about a physical form. Well, food so, absolutely affects our form and our form is our energy. That was my dog. I didn't fart. Oh, Jesus. I thought it was my chair moving for a second. It was Parker. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me shit for moving again. Well, I think he's dreaming. He's, oh, having, he a, he's having a puppy dream. He's having puppy dreams. Maybe we're in it. Oh, and here we are talking about dream walking. Maybe he's trying to give his two cents. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> Go back. Um, well, okay. Can I, I don't know. You might disagree with this. Like I've studied a lot of nutritional uh, or dietary theories. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, and when I say dietary, I mean lifestyles, not diets. Um, and there's a lot of different concepts that when you eat meat, it's a thermal experience in the body and that Mm -hmm. it activates anger. It activates a lot of negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that when you're eating from the earth, it's more balanced. It's more earthy, grounded, makes sense. Um, there's eating for blood type. There's eating for body, body type. There's a lot of different concepts that you can incorporate. And some people feel awful when they eat for their blood type. It doesn't work for them. Uh, so this, I think, again, is a very individual, an individual thing, because you can also cleanse food, right? So you can argue that meat is a thermal, a thermal experience, but if you're cleansing the food, then maybe you're not taking on the way it was slaughtered mm-hmm. uh, and the fear that the animal felt as it was being killed. Because I don't, there's no one answer for that. Yeah, because since the beginning of time, cavemen slaughtered f- animals to eat. And we have still evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, they bless their food. They give gratitude for the food. They give gratitude to the animal for the skin, for the bones that they make into instruments or music or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that there's a whole part of, of honoring the energy of the animal and the spirit of the animal. Now, maybe your average white person or whatever you want to call your average person these days. I'm not saying white meaning skin. I'm saying culturally, that if you're, I don't know, I don't, I guess I don't want to go into that anymore. I like the answer of it, that it's individual and it's what you practice. It's what you believe. I'm good with that. Okay. Number seven. I don't, I don't know if she's missing words here. So just pardon me for a second. Why not use tarot cards or other mediums? Do you just find you don't need to, or is there any specific reason? Oh, I have no idea how to use tarot cards. Me neither. I've never even read up on them. I don't know how to palm read. I don't know how to do any of that. Um, well, we don't use instruments. We don't so use anything. I'll go A with money. I don't need to spend money to like on products to yeah. uh, tap into people's energy. Um, I don't know what she means by other mediums. Other forms? Other ways? Oh, other Jesus. Things? Right. Okay. Uh, Kelly, can I, um, can I have that for just a second? 
Yeah. When I I don't I don't find a need to. Okay. And when I first began all this, through lots of the different things that I learned to do, crystal healing, energy healing, all the different things, you did use things. You used your hands. Mm -hmm. So in therapeutic touch, quantum touch, Reiki, you use your hands. But they also teach you you can use crystals. You use colors. Then in some of the, in all these different modalities in shamanism and alchemical healing, mm-hmm. it's about processes. And shamanism is about, you know, the spirit itself being free enough. Um, and I had pendulums and I bought crystal bowls because yeah. when I was studying the modalities, it was like, use these things to do these things. Mm-hmm. And then I remember clear as bell. I know you know the story. My girlfriend Carol was coming over one night for a treatment. And right before she arrived, the spirit world came in and said to me, get rid of all your shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I had feathers and smudging things. And I was teaching how to smudge and I knew how to do it. And they were like, no, we're telling you, you get rid of everything in your room. Mm-hmm. The young boy bought me a beautiful crystal ball. There were, or not bought me, loaned me, I should say. And there were all these things in, in the treatment room. And they said, no, you're using them as a crutch. Mm-hmm. This is direct energy. You do not need anything. This is between you and your soul and the spirit world. So when she showed up, I said, Carol, you got to take all the crystal pendulums. And she was like, why? I said, spirit world told me to get rid of everything in the room and that it had to be a pure relationship. Mm-hmm. And she went, okay. <laughs> I was crying. I was like, oh, good Lord, here go all my, I had beautiful wands. I remember. Oh, I had so many gorgeous things. And the beauty of them, the beauty of the energy, mm-hmm. the relationship I had had, the trust I had put into them to give messages. She just took them and walked out the door with them. And it was, and then every treatment after that, every person who arrived, it was like, here, take this, take this. Yep. <laughs> Until every single thing in my room left. And it was just me and the person. Mm-hmm. And it was me in the spirit world. And that's it. And I loved it more. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the spirit world. Well, it's infinite at that point. Oh my God. And it opened up. Yes. It it could be in an elevator. It could be sitting in an auditorium in front of 500 people. It could be in a dental chair. It could be um, in in a cab. It it was absolutely everywhere, 24 hours a day, nonstop. That's when it blew blew wide open. Mm -hmm. Because I stopped relying on, I have to smudge. Yeah. Yeah. And and the belief of if I smudge the house, I've cleaned the energy. And now it's like, no, 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 that's not how you smudge. That's not the whole point. I'm behind smudging. So it came back to the same thing we always talk about, intention and integrity. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful because it felt like being stripped down to nothing, which if every shaman knows, you have to go through that process of being stripped down to nothing, that hollow mm-hmm. bone. You got, that's it. You got you. You're that just one little bone. That makes it real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And that concludes our questionnaire from Emily. Oh, it is. So She's, thank. Yeah. let me finish reading it. Mm. Thanks so much again. As usual, all of your messages are still coming through. I'm having fun being clairsentient. It really helps me excel at my job. I'm having fun knowing a customer's favorite Lush products before they even tell me. Isn't that nice? And you know what? I've tried to say this so many times that, and it's why you and I had set out an intention at one point in North Bay to run workshops and teach people Mm -hmm. about being intuitive so that a surgeon could become a better surgeon. It gives you your edge. 
Yeah, an athlete could become, could become a better basketball player. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're right. It just gave you the edge over everything. You want to be the best in real estate? Here you go. Yeah. If you're opening up your intuitiveness, you know exactly what house is right for this person. Mm-hmm. So it was to make people uh, more in alignment with their own soul, but also so that they could enjoy that at work, not just in their own personal life, mm-hmm. but make them a, a more loving parent or partner. It allows you to channel your energy in the right direction and be more effective. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean channel as in necessarily receiving messages, but when you're following mm-hmm. your intuition, you're not wasting so much time. I'll say covering your bases because society's taught you how to do those things. You get, you just get to get right to the point. Perfect. It's perfect because, and that's, that was the point in, in all aspects. So if I would go to the athlete for a minute and a coach wants them to perform to their best, that's one of the ways to be the best. If you ask Wayne Gretzky, if he worked as hard as all of the other ones or all his teammates showed up to the same amount of practices as him, mm-hmm. what makes what makes the Williams sisters the best in tennis? Mm-hmm. Is there an edge that they're more muscular? No, because you can look at other tennis players that work out as much as them and have as much muscle as them. An edge is not just your confidence, it's it's your inner knowing. It's that mm-hmm. intuitive edge. Yep. I've tried to say that to a million different people in a million different ways, but they don't always get it. So her last comment <laughs> was lovely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people understand um, their own desire for those things. Mm-hmm. Because if you knew that you were preserving energy, which gave you more energy for other things... You could actually come home at the end of the day. That's retail. She's talking about Lush products. Mm -hmm. That's working retail in a service industry Mm -hmm. um, where she can come home at the end of an eight or nine hour shift and still have the energy to get up and do all of the things she loves to do from five to nine. Oh my God, I love it. Right? Instead of coming home drained, thinking she's making ends meet and she's had to just listen and, and waste that energy listening I'll say to the human who doesn't necessarily how to know how or to um how to express themselves and what Mm -hmm. their own needs are Mm -hmm. so if she's anticipating because of intuition Mm -hmm. she's got all that banked energy at the end of the day to continue living a more full life this is where some clients will say to me you must be exhausted at the end of the day no you're exhausted Uh, (laughs) yes and I say oh no before my day starts I get up and I've gone for my walk or I've gone to the YMCA and done my workout uh, I come home and I see my clients. We have to do social media. Um, and at the end of seeing clients all day long, all over the world, I'm still going out for my next walk. All my neighbors know that. They see every evening Karen's heading out mm-hmm. to my left down the street for my four or five K walk. Um, I come home, clean, do all my tidying, do all my whatever yoga. You're Wonder Woman. We get it. Uh, no, I don't. I know. I just meant that you have the energy of that. Yes. Because I in, because in, you're using your superpowers. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll leave. It I got that. right to the point. You know what? We're going to leave it <laughs> on that because it's freaking awesome. All right. Um, thank you for joining us, Mom. Thank you uh, for for sitting down with me again. And Emily, thank you for submitting your questions. They were fantastic. Um, if you would like to join us next week, we welcome you to welcome us into your home and enjoy coffee with us on Saturday mornings. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at buysarlo.com.